Hi, my name is Erin Haley, and today I'll be talking about Queen Nani. Um, Queen Nani, there's not a lot of information on her, but she also did go by a lot of different names. And uh, the main ones were Queen Nani, Granny Nani, Nani, or Nani of the Maroons. Um, and she was the leader. She was 18th century leader of the Jamaican Maroons. And um, I got that information from, I am not quite sure how to pronounce this name. We're gonna, yeah, I'm seriously not really sure how to pronounce the name. I don't even know if I wanna try to pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth D. Scazifer? Um, sorry, I probably butchered that like so bad. But, um, yes. So, that's where I got that information from. And you will notice that I will be trying to, like, piece together things of our lives. Um, because we don't necessarily know indefinite if this is true. Because, I mean, like, you know, everyone, everyone's different. But, like, if you do a little research, I feel like we can try and piece together a little bit of our life. So, that's what I'm here doing today. Um, today she's considered a Jamaican, uh, Jamaican rebel leader to many. Um, this is something that you can probably, like, look up on, like, why she was viewed as this. But, probably get into that a little more later. Uh, I'll probably go back to that. Sorry if I jump around a lot. I do that sometimes. Um, we don't really know when she was born or where. But, from my research, um, I found out there were a lot of things going on in between Africa and Jamaica during these times. So pretty much um, African people were being enslaved and brought over to Jamaica. So that is where I'm gonna assume she came from. We can kind of make the assumption that she was originally a slave, brought over to Jamaica and like found her own way, essentially, you know, got out of it and whatnot. But she would go on to inspire many Jamaicans to fight and seek freedom and equality. Um, the Maroons as a whole were pretty much just uh, ex-slaves um, trying to help other people that were enslaved and trying to fight for like equality and you know freedom like things like that so they she definitely inspired a whole group of people and she probably helped with what um, we consider today like the Black Lives Matters movement um, I you can probably say this is probably like the little spark of it if you want to connect it to something today that's probably what I would connect it to um, but in a lot of her, um, pictures, drawings, even a statue, um, I can't remember where, uh, it was from, but I have it said in here, so I'm just gonna tell you the name of it. Uh, what did just see, says drawing, but, um, like even in statues and things like that, she's depicted with a scarf. And almost everything that you see of her, she has a scarf on. So this tells us that she probably, it probably has some significance to her personally, or like with her culture, or like with her faith. And um, for me, I kind of was leaning more towards the faith aspect. So I did a little research on that, which we'll get into a little later. But also in most of her depictions, she's seen with like strong jawline and cheekbones. Um, and I feel like those are like um, 
features you would more so see in a guy than a female because females are supposed to be like more like feminine and things like that you don't really see them having strong facial features you know so that like shows that the um they viewed her as someone that was strong and i feel like during this time this is something that's big considering like um women probably didn't have as much power um i mean came a long way so probably they definitely did not have a lot of power so for them to like even like draw her like pictures like this and everything that shows something serious um after doing more research back to the christianity i mean oh, religion aspect sorry i, I spoiled it but the primary religion of the maroons was christianity and considering that most people in the maroons were former slaves and like are black and want to fight for their like freedom and things like that we can probably and they were from africa most of them were probably from africa like they were like transported from Africa to Jamaica. Uh, we can probably consider that they practice Afro Christianity, and just like regular Christianity, there are like a lot of denominations that go into it. And I'll talk about the main denomination that I think she belonged to personally, because I did some research and I think this is probably one. Now, I in my research I did not see anything significant with the headscarf, but I do believe because she was from Africa. And it, it may have had something to do with maybe just, like, the culture around her. Or I, I still think it may be something with the religion. Um, and because Afro-Christianity was also popular in Africa, too. So I think we can probably say that it's probably, it's probably a religious thing, aspect. But with all that being said... Um, in Jamaica, slave crimes were, um, well, this, this, uh, goes into more detail about the, um, what's the word I want to say? The, not personally like her, but like surrounding her. So like this goes into detail about like, what slaves really, what being a slave was like really like during this time. So in Jamaica, slave crimes were tried tried before 1788, which this would have been around like her time. So, um, in slave court, they were in slave courts overseen by groups of magisteries and freeholders. So there was like no actual jury like we have today. Um, so you can probably establish that a lot of crimes that most slaves were like uh, guilty. I used air quotes if you can't. I'm sorry, you're not going to see me. But I used air quotes. Guilty. Um, they probably didn't even have, like, a chance of even being found not guilty. Because if you, these are people who are free, probably mostly white and things like that. So, probably a lot of unfair trials. Um, like, literally no chance of, like, even being found unguilty. Um, they also didn't keep very good records like we do today, which, I mean, I can't really blame them on it, because, I mean, they didn't know, but, like, still, why would you not document, like, a lot? They didn't document a lot of important things. Like, I mean, like, they had, like, the defendant, but that was, like, pretty much it. It didn't have, like, what the what they were being accused of and things like that. So, we literally have no idea what most of these slaves were being tried for. Um, they had no chance of being found not guilty. Even, like, 
like if you think back like they didn't even have like what we have today to like find like evidence and you know like fingerprints and things like that so it's probably just like he say she say you know kind of thing there weren't there weren't <laughs> wasn't much they could do so uh, um but there are a few records um the major one that i found from doing my research was saint andrew's records and this comes from again again i'm sorry with the pronunciation for this author um diana pink pinkton pinkton python i'm sorry i'm like so bad when it comes to pronouncing stuff but um so yeah the main records were saint andrew's uh records and they obviously did not have a lot of records um the document like you can actually go on and like view this document itself so like you can probably do re look it up but um i didn't go into do too much detail because i don't want to focus on this a lot but um you can view it in like public record offices and things like that um the first comprehensive jamaican slave code was passed in 1664 so this means that this means that um, going back to like how slaves were trial, like what what their trial was like. I guess the term we can use for it or whatever. But um, they were probably based off of the slave codes that they had, and the slave codes that they had were not that good. I mean, the best one was in 1664, and it was modeled on the Barbados Slave Code of 1661. Um, it place almost no limits on the slaveholder's power to correct his or her slaves so i mean like basically anything could happen at this point i mean that's pretty second uh pretty sad um now the wreckage from saint andrew referred to only one part of the dual system of the criminal justice system uh i said that all wrong but i'm not gonna make fix that sorry um um, so basically, this being said, there were like two systems, um, one for slaves and the other for those who were free. So, I mean, they, I didn't obviously focus on like the people that were free because that wasn't re relevant to this, um, podcast, but we can tell probably that they had probably a better chance of being found not guilty Unless there's like major evidence or multiple people, you know, so I couldn't really, com I didn't really compare the two, but I'm sure there's like huge differences. Now, Afro, back to religion, Afro Jamaican religion. So the one that I found that I believe that she belonged to from my research was, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Sorry again, Camino, Camino. I'm just going to spell out for you guys. K-U-M-I-N-A. Now, I'm not very sure how to pronounce that. Um, you can do as you will with that. But um, it was thought to have been developed at the time of slavery, which is, make, which is what made me come to the idea of that it was probably her primary religion and maybe, like, the primary religion of most Maroons. Because um, even though... If they say it was around it was pretty much developed during around the time of slavery um 
most i'm not sure pronounce this word um people that do research because i'm not gonna never gonna try to pronounce that they believe that this religion originated in jamaica which is another reason we can probably figure out that this is probably her religion um only uh originally in jamaica only after the arrival of in endure laborers of central africa i'm sorry for the pronunciation of these words again very upset sorry now um see in here the religion in jamaica religion was like a big thing for them um so we can probably that's that's probably in almost every depiction, picture, drawing, statue. We see her with the scarf, and I did do a little. I did look up, look at um other pictures also, of like um just like her and other maroon people, and they all had scarves. Now, I'm just gonna say that I it probably could be a cultural thing or it could be a religion thing. In the religion, when I did research, I didn't really say much about them having to wear a scarf. But, I, I don't know. I feel like it could go either way. But, um, they, like, they would start conversation, like, that would be, like, the first question they would ask. Like, what religion are you? Or, like, what, um, not really, what religion, but what church do you belong to? And, like, in today's world, we see that as, like, a huge no-no. Because, like, you're not supposed to judge people. Um, they did not care. Basically, churches kind of, like, gave them social status. Is from what I gained from this. So, like, Orthodox churches um, were regarded as prestigious, and the congregations are usually composed of upper class. So, Orthodox churches were probably, like, the highest of the high. Um, then there's the Angelic Church. Um, it ranked high in Jamaica, in the Jamaican society, so that was probably the highest you could get in Jamaica. It didn't say much about the Orthodox Church. So I'm guessing they were pretty much like leveled. But most places probably put Orthodox Church at the highest. And from my research from like going to Catholic schools my whole life, this is where it comes handy, guys. Um, Orthodox churches were seen as like very high levels of just a church. I mean, if you like look at the way that they are built, they are like, humongous and but um so yeah they were considered high in Jamaica in the Jamaican society and it was attended mainly by the white and light-skinned upper class okay so that might be the differentiation between the two churches um is that the Orthodox church is probably for all people maybe like nah let's be honest it's probably weren't that many like light-skinned or black people in general that would probably be considered upper class. So those Orthodox church probably like mainly dominated by white people. And then uh, the angelic church was dominated by white and light-skinned people in Jamaica. So that's a little confusing right there. But, and then the Catholic church, um, it had a high status, but not that high like it wasn't above the orthodox church or the angelic church like it goes one two three pretty much um and the methodist 
um have a certain appeal to like they had a certain appeal to light skinned and middle class people so they didn't really say what most maybe like dark um dark darker tone black people would like uh, go and look at but that will probably come into like afro christianity because it was probably just like they were probably like placed all around the area and you could just like hey it's like a little church let's go we're like orthodox angelical and angelical you know what i mean and the catholic churches were like high ranked and you probably would not see in like the poor areas of jamaica or anything like that so religion was a huge thing so why didn't they treat everyone with equality because i mean that's what religion is supposed to teach us we're not really sure there but here we are today kind of still having a few of the same problems not as harsh of course um so i mean i guess we've advanced a little bit yeah not much but i'm aaron thank you for listening enjoy the rest of your day